We have been looking at the lives of several different people from the Old Testament, seeing how God's grace showed up in their life. We have looked at Abraham and and, uh, Joseph. We've looked at Moses. Today, I want us to look at the life of Joshua and see how God's grace was intertwined with his life. First of all, God's grace helped him to step up to the responsibility that God had called him to. You do remember whose shoes Joshua was trying to fill, don't you? Moses' shoes. And they were very big shoes to fill. Last week I mentioned to you about Moses, the fact that there was no other person in the Bible who did more miracles than what Moses did other than Jesus himself. Moses was the deliverer of God's people out of of Egypt as they were in slavery there. He led them for 40 years in the wilderness, and through all of their ups and downs, Moses was with them. He was a mainstay for them. As one generation died off and yet another generation was raised up there in that wilderness, Moses was there. He was their leader. He was their prophet and intercessor. They loved him. They respected him. And I am sure by the time this new generation raised up, he was like a father figure to them. There was no one else to them like Moses. But now Moses was gone. He had gone up onto that mountain to get a glimpse into the promised land, and he didn't come back. He wasn't going to come back. And now they had a new leader to follow, who was Joshua. And he wasn't like Moses. Can you just hear the people complain to Joshua? Moses didn't do it this way. (laughs) Moses always did it this other way. The shoes of Moses were not easy shoes to fill. But God gave Joshua the grace that he needed and the help that he needed to step up and fill those shoes. I remember 25 years ago coming to this church trying to fill the shoes of Leon Weiss. He had been here for 14 years. He was the church's first and only preacher. He was loved by lots and lots of people. He was well known around the community. And for many of you who had been here for years and years, he had taught you the Word of God every Sunday. He had taught your kids in vacation Bible school. He had gone to camp with them. For many of you, he had sat with you in a surgery waiting room as your loved one was having surgery. For some of you, he had been with you when your loved one had died and he had preached their funeral. He officiated your kid's wedding. He was, his kids were friends with your kids. I knew his shoes were going to be very big shoes to fill. And here I was, 27 years old at that time. I'd never been in a senior ministry position before. And I had a lot to learn. And the congregation here and the church leaders here were patient with me. And I'm thankful that you were. And I am thankful too for God's grace being with me in those early years as I tried so hard to fill the shoes of Leon. God's grace 
is there for us. And it's more than enough to help us with any responsibility that we are called to. I have told Caleb that several times as he has stepped into a position of great responsibility by taking on the youth ministry role here. He's young. In fact, this morning, I think, is the first time that he's been on the stage and speaking to you with the announcement time. He is young. He doesn't have a lot of experience. And he could be intimidated by the number of kids in our youth group. But I I have told him, and I will continue to tell him, God's grace and his help is more than enough to help him do that job. I love the first few chapters of the book of Joshua. Joshua is taking over the command of God's people and God has some very direct words to this new leader. In chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, God says to Joshua, Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Verse 7, He says, only be strong and courageous. He said that to Joshua three times in a very short span of time. Verse 9, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that is the message that God would like to give to us as we are called to step up to different areas of responsibility. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He has called you to witness to your family members and to your friends. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He has called you to lead a small group Bible study, some of you. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He has called you to be a leader in the youth group, some of you. And he has called all of us to invite our friends to church. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whatever he's called you to do. You pick up one of these grace cards and you read what he is calling you to do this week. Maybe it will lead you out of your comfort zone and it will not be easy. And you look at that and say, I don't know that I want to do that. That, I'm uncomfortable with that. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Had a fellow recently tell me of an incident that he was involved in. This was not one of his grace card assignments, but I think it fits very well. It was in his mind as this, this, uh, this challenge to extend grace to your neighbor. He was standing in line at the grocery store, and in front of him, checking out, was a young mom with her child. And as the checker was going through all of the groceries in her cart, the Lord prompted him to get his credit card out and pay for her groceries. Well, you know how when God prompts us to do something, oftentimes it's easy to just stand there and argue with him about that. And I think maybe there was a little of that going on. I don't know her, God. She'll think I'm strange. She won't understand. It will cause a commotion. I'll do this another time, Lord. 
Well, the checker finished and the bill was over $100. And then he really wanted to argue with God. (laughs) But he decided to obey God's prompting. And just as the lady had her card and was preparing to slide her card through the machine, he stopped her. He said, hold on. Put, put yourself here in, 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 in this situation. And, and maybe you're the lady and somebody strange to you is saying, hold on, don't do that. It was kind of startling to her. Startling to him as he had seen the bill, the price. But he said, I want to pay for your groceries. And he, he stepped right in there and he put his card through the machine. He slid it through the machine. And you, I, I wish I could have been there to see this as it all played out. You can imagine the shock with this woman and with the checker as this person did that. And he was shocked himself. He said, I'm going to have to go home and tell my wife what I just did. <laughs> How much money I spent. But the response of this woman... She started crying and she was so thankful to him for what he had done. And this fellow, I am quite sure, experienced a blessing probably more than what he will ever, ever forget. And you know that God was smiling over what he just did. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And whatever responsibility he calls you to step up to, be strong and courageous. I asked this fellow when he was going to go to the grocery store the next time. (laughs) I'd like to be there. (laughs) Stand in front of you as I'm checking out with my groceries. You know, whatever God calls you to do, be strong and courageous. You know, it's not... Our strength, it's not our doing that we are leaning upon. It's His strength. He will be with us wherever we go. We keep on reading in these early chapters of Joshua, you see what God helped Joshua to do. We are most familiar with what happened at Jericho. But do you remember what happened before they ever even got to Jericho. There, there had to be something very significant happen before they could even get to the city. They had to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. We are talking probably in the neighborhood of 3 million people, according to what one source I was reading. And the river was overflowing its banks. And yet that was nothing for the hand of God. God kept his promise to Joshua, which said, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I will be with you wherever you go. All Joshua had to do was follow the Lord's lead, and God would do the rest. If you're not familiar with that story in Joshua chapter 4, you ought to read it. The waters were held back by the hand of God, and the people of God crossed through the Jordan banks as they were dry. You remember, this is a new generation of Israelites. 
The old generation had died off. There's just two in this new generation who had experienced the crossing of the Red Sea. Do you know who those two are? Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else had died off of the adults. This new generation raising up, they would have just heard about the crossing of the Red Sea from their moms and their their dads and their grandparents. But now they are about to experience the testimony and the power of God that God is going to be with them wherever they go, that there is going to be no foe in this promised land that will be so big that God isn't bigger still. Do not fear or be dismayed. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That leads me to my second point. As we consider the life of Joshua, God's grace allowed him the opportunity to experience victory at Jericho. Now think about it. Joshua really didn't earn the right to have all of these miracles happen underneath his watch. He didn't deserve the favor of God any more than you or I deserve the favor of God. He was a sinner just like you and I are sinners. If he deserved anything, it was death, just like you and I deserve death because of our sin. But God, being rich in mercy and grace, bestows on each and every one of us so many blessings that we don't deserve. And in Joshua's case, he was blessed with the opportunity to be the commander-in-chief over the great battle of Jericho, which has to be one of the greatest one-sided battles ever fought in the history of mankind. All they had to do was march around the walls of the city. Once each time, once each day for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times. And then they blew their trumpets and they shouted a great shout. And the walls, what? Came a-tumbling down. That's the power of God. And that's also the grace of God. Joshua did not merit that kind of favor. It was a gift from God. And do you know what? God wants to give you and me victory in our lives too. Are you a worrier? God wants to help you and me to have victory over worry. Isn't it true we worry about so many things? We worry about our kids. We worry about our finances. We worry about our future. We worry about our health. We worry about our job. We worry about our aging parents. We worry about things that might be next in line for us to worry about. And God is saying, why are you worrying? Have I not proven myself already that I am capable of taking care of you? Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. God wants to give to us the victory over worry. Are any of you struggling with lust? 
or maybe you're into pornography, God wants to give to you victory over that sin. He wants to help you out of that darkness. If he can bring down the walls of Jericho, then certainly he can bring down the towering walls of lust. Speaking of the walls of Jericho, we really don't know how big the walls of Jericho were. And I, I looked at several sources hoping to find out some information about those walls. Do you know what? There, is, there was such a desolation, there was such a destruction on that day that there, there was nothing left. Even for the, the archaeologists and the historian to figure out. It's likely, it's likely that there were two walls around the city of Jericho. Probably 15 feet apart. This is what they are suspecting. 15 feet apart, two walls. Houses were built on beams that were stretched between the two walls, those beams would have served as the floor joists of the houses on the walls. And certainly the walls were high enough that when the twelve spies went to see the land in Numbers chapter 13, ten of them came back with a, with a bad report. They talked about the cities being so, so big and, and they're fortified cities and, and they're impossible for us to conquer. We're, 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 we appeared like grasshoppers in their sight, they said. But those ten spies failed to recognize the power of God. And two men gave a positive report saying, no, no. No, we can take the land. With God's help, we can take the land. And those two men, again, were Joshua and Caleb. And they dared to believe that God was not finished with his miracles yet. And certainly he wasn't, nor is he finished with them even today. He wants to help you break down the walls of sin that are in your life, whether it be the wall of selfishness or greed or gossip or bitterness or anger, you fill in the blank. Whatever sin it is that is besetting you, he can break it down and he can give you victory over that sin. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, says 1 John 4, 4. Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We can win the battle against sin. If we will surrender to him and trust in him. And as I thought about that this last week in preparation for this sermon. That's really you and me walking around the walls of the city. We are choosing to honor God. We are choosing to obey God just as they did. They obeyed God by encircling the city. 
And we are obeying God by choosing to put our trust in Him and to surrender to Him. And if we will do our part, you can better well believe He will bring the walls down. He has the power still to do that. Let me give to you a third point. And we're actually shifting gears from where we have been, but I think it's an important thing for us to not miss. Amidst the story of Joshua and Jericho, there is another story. It's a story within a story, the story of Rahab the harlot. It is the beautiful story of God's grace to an undeserving soul. Do you remember Rahab? She was a woman of the red light district. She was known around Jericho for the wrong reasons. And so, to have two men come to her house on the wall was not an uncommon thing at all. But it became a point of concern to the king when he was told that two men who were from the army of Israel had gone to Rahab's house and they were spying out the city. And so the king did what any king would do. He sent his soldiers to Rahab's house to seize these two men. But Rahab was unwilling to give them up. She hid them on on her rooftop. She covered them over with stalks, the scripture says. And she went and she answered the door, cool as a cucumber... And she says to the men who are at her door, as they are asking for those two men within her household, and she goes, oh, there were two men here, strangers. I didn't know who they were, but they're gone. They left a little bit ago as darkness was coming upon the city. They left because they wanted to get out of the city gate before it was shut. She goes, oh, you, you, you better hurry. Maybe you can catch up with them. I'm sure they're just outside the city going out out the city road. And so off the soldiers went in hot pursuit. When they're gone, she goes up to the rooftop where these other two fellows are, are hiding, her concealed spies, and the conversation between her and them is quite interesting. I want to read it to you. Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now remember who she is. She's a resident of Jericho. She's a pagan. And she is saying, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. This is a pagan who is confessing her belief in the living God of Israel. Verse 12, Now therefore, please 
Swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And so the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. <laughs> you read on in this story, you see that Rahab took a little red cord, and I don't know how long it was, it may have been a long red cord, and she hung it out her window. And as she did that, this was the agreement that they had with her. That she and all of her household would be spared as the Israelites came and took control of the city. And that is exactly what happened. Rahab hung that cord out her window. And as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, there was one part of the wall that stayed intact. And it was that part of the wall that held up the house of Rahab the harlot. Everything else in the city was destroyed by the hand of God. And when the walls came down, the scripture says that the people of Israel rushed into the city and they took the life of every person that was in that city and they destroyed everything that was in that city and they set it afire. And when it was all done, and the last sword had been put in its sheath. Joshua turned to the two spies who had gone to Rahab's house. And he said to them, go get her. And they went to the house. The only thing that was standing yet in the city. And that had not been burned. And they opened the door. And out comes Rahab. And out comes her entire household. And it says that they brought her out along with her family. Verse 25 says. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out at Jericho. And so what is the rest of the story? Some of you know. The rest of the story. For those of you who do not know the rest of the story, let me read it to you. For it takes us all the way over to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 2. It's the genealogy, that part of the New Testament that oftentimes we just skip over. Verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And there's several more generations to follow. Look at verses 5 and 6. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. We were there just a few weeks ago talking about Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David the king. 
Are you seeing what's happening here? Not only did Rahab find herself a Jewish husband, but she actually became the great, great grandma to the greatest king ever to sit on the throne of Israel. King David. And from her bloodline comes a whole host of rulers who would rule over God's people. But it doesn't stop there. After many more generations have passed, there is one more notable king. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Do you understand that the Messiah himself came through the bloodline of Rahab the harlot? What's that say to you? I'll tell you what it says to me. It says to me that God is a God of grace. This is the story of grace. His arms, His arms are open wide to us. His arms can take the worst of sinners. Quote, unquote. The worst of sinners. And He can clean that sinner up and He can make something very very special out of them. And he can do the same for you and me no matter what our past is, no matter what kind of baggage we're carrying around. God's arms are open to us and he is able to forgive us and clean us up and make something very useful out of us. Brothers and sisters, don't ever underestimate the grace of God. For if he can do this for Rahab, the harlot. He can and will do the same for you and me. Let me read to you a few verses about God's amazing grace. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Verses 4 and 5, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. Isn't that that truly amazing, His grace? That He can forgive a harlot and transform her into not only a child of the king, but he can choose her to be in the bloodline of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank God for his amazing grace. And if you didn't get up earlier and move to get a red cord, I just want to challenge you to do that. 
as we sing an invitation hymn, I want to challenge you to get a red cord and use it. Just use it as a bookmark in your Bible. And every time you see that red cord, you can be reminded of God's grace to you. You hang the cord out your window. And remember that God's promises to you is, I will forgive you if you ask. I will clean you up. I will make you as white as snow. I can give to you my righteousness. I want your unrighteousness. I want to take it away from you. And I want to give to you my righteousness. And it is made possible through the blood, the red precious blood of Jesus who shed his blood on Calvary's cross. And when you see this bookmark or this red cord, you can be reminded that God's grace is for you. It is free. It is complete. It is available. It is sufficient to cover all of your sins. And it's available to you through the Son of Jesus Christ. Now maybe there's some here who have not accepted Jesus as Savior. You need to do that. You need to have a sense of urgency to give your life to Jesus, to be baptized into Jesus Christ, and to have him as your Savior. You can't be saved without him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. And that you are able to take someone such as Rahab and make something very special out of her. And we believe that you can do that for us too. And so we trust you. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.